This is the Prehistory Guys podcast. Hello, I'm Rupert Suskin. And I'm Michael Bott. And in this month's podcast, we're looking at something that cropped up just at the beginning of, uh, of December. Yes, well, it is December we're in, isn't it? It is December. <laughs> yes, where did that gear go? How time flies. 12th of December, 15th of December, we got news that um, cave paintings had been found in uh, Sulawesi. But not only that, that they date back a long, 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 long time. So we thought, that's a nice thing to talk about. Yes, so here we are. We, here we are, talking about that very thing. It's a great headline, 44,000-year-old cave paintings found in mm. Indonesia. Um, and there's lots to get into that uh, in the articles that covered it. But uh, we've un- sort of uncovered a few little things that we'd like to yeah. take a little a different perspective. Yes, a few little nuances in there. As we do. Yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we do, though, don't we? It's uh, Where to start with this, really? I, I, well, it, before we do start, yes. we have to thank our listeners for tuning in and listening to this podcast and very much hope they enjoy it. As you probably know, these um, um, podcasts are free for all, um, as are the majority of the videos we, we make. And as I'm sure you know, also know, they're only made possible through the support of the good folk who have chosen to become patrons of ours through yes. the Patreon crowdfunding platform. So if you enjoy this show and the other work we do, please do consider becoming one of our valued Patreon folk. Please do. The more yeah. support we have, the more content we produce. It's as simple as that. Yes. So, yeah, there's, there's actually, there's a new thing. We've set some new goals this month for our, our Patreon <laughs> That's true, goals. Have. Yes, you know, set at a, a level when we achieve um, a certain amount of income uh, um, per per month. We're what well, we're about three hundred and fifty dollars a month income at the moment. Yeah, and what we're having, uh, what we've got a, a drive at the moment is to get to a thousand dollars a month, and then Rupert and I are going to commit to making a um, a six part or more, however long it takes, series. <laughs> Yeah, yeah tra- tracing prehistoric culture all the way from um, uh, the Middle East uh, through Europe and into uh, Britain. And, uh, you know, when it gets to Stonehenge, I guess that will be the end place for us, won't it? I guess so. But, I guess so. I think, yeah. you know, it, that's, uh, uh, some of you uh, will have heard the, the timeline that we, uh, that we did uh, sometime last year. And uh, and the thing is that it is such a rich and complex subject that we really thought that to re- to do it justice, it needs time. Uh, it needs time yeah. uh, really spent so that we can spread it out in front of you, if you like, and uh, and make those correlations. You know what was happening in the Middle East when this was happening in Britain or. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, all all sorts of places around the world. Even you know that uh, there's yeah. a lot of stuff that we compartmentalize too much stuff. We we uh, uh, you know it, many people, for example, see ancient Egypt as almost a standalone. You know that you you don't make correlations <laughs> yeah. between what was happening in Britain when this was happening in Egypt, and it's fascinating when you start joining those dots. So we'll yeah. do that. Yeah. 
It teaches us a lot when we start to join those dots. Yes, so, does. balls in your court, folks. Well, you know you're listening, so you, <laughs> you probably already yes. uh, put your hand in, in your pocket. But, uh, yeah, when when we get to $1,000 a month, which isn't a really hard thing to do, um, that's what we'd like to do. Mm. Um, really excited about the possibility of, of doing that. And actually looking a bit further beyond that, when we get to, uh, a, you know, a what we'd consider a really proper income per month, $5,000, then we can embark on making, I think I think the film we want to make is probably called Henges. 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 Yes. Or even, or even, Henge. 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 <laughs> I quite like that. Uh, we'll, you know, it needs a proper budget because we're going to be yeah. further afi- going further afield than you might actually expect. Oh, yes. Where, off the top of your head, where's the furthest away henge you can think of? Well, Germany, really. Yeah. Mm. That was uh, what came to my mind as yes. well. But I, but I bet the world is full of surprises. Yes. The world of prehistory well, is it, full of surprises. Isn't it interesting, though, uh, not wanting to go off on one uh, inappropriately in this, uh, in this broadcast, but, uh, but the fact that uh, you, you find things that are hengey form to use the term. <laughs> but they're given yes. different names depending on where they are. And uh, yeah. and so in Poland, for example, we were talking about one of these the other day uh, on one of the other broadcasts, but uh, in Poland they're called roundels. Yeah. And it might be a henge, but it's called a roundel. Well, if you saw that name written down, you wouldn't necessarily make the correlation. So, uh, you know, it, yeah. it is interesting that henges that we tend to think of as British are not at all, uh, you know, they are a lot yeah, more yeah. widespread than uh, than people think. But what I'm anticipating from what we've said so far, that we're going to have to travel. Yes, we are. To at least Germany and Poland and Indeed. probably further beyond. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I'm pretty sure that there's some hengy form structures, even if they don't appear to be henges as such. Uh, but yeah. down in Spain and Portugal, I think. So... Um, a lot more research to be done, anyway. But uh, yeah, uh, but yes, yes, we'll be on. So the point that. is, thank you to our Patreon supporters if you're already supporting us for helping us get towards those points. And if you're not, ooh, would you like to see a listen to a series about prehistory yes. from the Middle East to Stonehenge? And would you like to watch a, a film about henges? You know you would. <laughs> I've said enough. You know you know what to do next. Patreon.com slash the prehistory guys to find out how you can help us out. So I didn't expect us to do a preamble that long before we got to our main subject. And that's where we uh, take you away, away to the other side of the world. Yes. Sulawesi, Indonesia, what, just nor- north of Western Australia, yeah. southeast of Vietnam placing it about there, below the Philippines, <laughs> just so we get a bit of uh, geographic um, yes. <laughs> placement. I don't know if that helps or not. <laughs> yes. Well, at this time of year, it's just worth saying, warmer than Britain. <laughs> that's that's true. Yeah. But in a in a cave, what is the name? What was the, the, There's a place name associated with it, isn't uh, there? Oh, Lordy, yes, there is. And it's... Liang Bulusapong. Liang Bulusapong. Are you showing off? I am. 
Liang Bulus Sipong. That's the name of the uh, the site. L I A N G, one word, B U L U S I P O N G. Is that is that the sound of um, what the sound <laughs> of tumbleweed? <laughs> I'm just looking for. I'm looking at the article at the moment, and uh, um, we're, well, I'm looking at an article about it, and I can't see the name of that anywhere. Well, I have the advantage in you, that case. You, don't I? you do. So that's all right. We'll just leave that one in your court then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what we've got here is a, a relatively inaccessible cave. Um, it seems that it wasn't an inhabited cave. Uh, it's somewhere you have to really try to get to. It's not on uh, ground uh, level. Was it twenty-two meters up? Twenty-two meters up a uh, a cliff face. Yeah. Um, and in the inner recesses of this cave, there is sort of ready, uh, bricky, ready, quite faded uh, images. Um, quite clearly, in a couple of uh, instances, representing known species. Um, wild animals from the area, um, together with some other um, representations as well. So we've got that. That's the that's the fact of the matter. There are other subjects that we'll probably touch upon. Those being, how do we know it's forty four thousand years old? <laughs> yes, yes, that's one thing. Yeah, who was responsible? Who mm. could have been responsible for these paintings yes. forty four thousand years ago? What do the paintings actually show mm. as in as opposed to what are they interpreted as showing also how does how does this art compare to other prehistoric art we know of? Mm. Where would we like to start that's a good question i see i I think Something that's worth pointing out to give some perspective on this is that uh, this cave was found uh, recently uh, on Sulawesi. Well, there are over 240 caves on Sulawesi with cave art. 240 caves. This is a new one with a different quality of art that they've found. And it was interesting that... Uh, that this particular cave complex, if you like, they've known about a series of caves for some time, but it was only last year, was it that last year, Michael, that um, the, one of the researchers spotted uh, the entrance higher up, spotted a, a hole, if you like, in the rock that they hadn't noticed before, and he climbed up this root of a fig tree uh, to to get into it, and that's when they found this whole new set of uh, um, of paintings. So it's interesting that there is a huge amount of art known on Sulawesi, but this is different, and that in itself is quite fascinating. Um, different in ter- in w- in what terms? I think this is older, and the the quality, the style of uh, of art seems to be. A little bit different. It's. I think you could probably say that. I don't know. Maybe you. It's probably a leap to say that it's a different mindset doing it. But mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, how do you interpret these things? A lot of them are uh, the 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 predictable 
you know, um, handprints and that sort of thing. But this is yeah, so yeah. <clears throat> um, carefully illustrated. So it's on a panel that's um, about five meters wide, we're told. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, t they show a type of buffalo uh, and, and, a, and a kind of wild pig. Yes. Uh, that are found on Sulawesi. You see, this has been dated mm. um, using quite a sophisticated technique called uh, uranium thorium uh, dating. Mm. Have the other have other um, paintings in the area been dated in, in the same way? Because I can't think it's a cheap method of dating. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Probably not. Yeah, some of them have been dated. Um, in mm. fact. Um, you know, not far away, Borneo. Some of the uh, some of the work has been uh, dated as well, and uh, this is by far the oldest. Uh, I mean, they've varied the the, uh, the dates that have been thrown up in other places. Oh God, I think they they've been in the twenties, haven't they? Thousand years oh, old. Oh right, yeah. Uh, there's been <clears throat> nothing as far back as this, as far as I'm aware. Okay, well, so that's far more. That's more comparable to um, uh, datings we know from European cave art. Yes, Lascaux, all, for example. Although, yeah, but the interesting thing about Lascaux, and uh, and the honest truth is, I didn't, I wasn't aware of this until uh, until we were researching this piece, and that's that I had always presumed that Lascaux was in uh, in southern France. Yeah. Uh, I had always presumed that Lascaux had been properly dated, but it hasn't. Yeah. It's guesswork. It's a supposition. Mm. All right, mm. okay, it's an educated guess, but it's still unofficial, if you like. So it does call an awful lot of things into question. You know, when when modern scientific techniques are used to get accurate dating, yeah. And uh, you know, and you're comparing that to something you know about on the other side of the world. That yeah. uh, you know, it it does call those dates into question. It may well be a good point now to actually talk about the dating technique used. Uranium, uranium thorium. thorium. Yes, uh, you go for yeah. it. Well, uh, my understanding is that because thorium itself does not dissolve in fresh running water, that any thorium present in a uh, calcium carbonate deposit in a cave um, uh, has, because it's got its own half-life, you yeah. can date it by uh, measuring the, um, because uranium uh, decays to thorium itself, if yes. you measure the balance of thorium to uranium in the calcium carbonate deposits, then you can arrive at a date. Mm. They're not precise dates because the half-lives of the elements involved are quite long. But um, the point is that these, um, these, the samples have been taken from on top of the paintings. So there must have been a slight amount of destruction involved in taking these. So uh, there's an interesting point. Maybe, but then don't forget that what they're, what they're actually dating is the, uh, the build-up 
of yeah, uh, but, yes, uh, but you have to remove it in the first place. I can't uh, imagine that removing a bit of calcium carbon from the top of a painting is going to leave it pristine beneath. Somehow. No, that's true, but I don't think you could dissolve it away without destroying the painting anyway. So um, sure, no. yeah. Um, but but the interesting thing is, you were taking that dating from the calcium carbonate deposit on top, which is you know what stuff that forms in caves goes into stalagmites and stalactites and mm. so on and so forth. Is that that doesn't date the painting itself? That dates the calcium carbonate. Absolutely, so it gives you a minimum age. Well, yeah. yeah, a minimum age. So the painting itself could well be much older. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the interesting point about that. I don't think there's anything more to say about the actual technique itself because I don't know any more about the actual technique well, itself. With, without going really uh, unnecessarily chemical about it i don't think there's any point you know it's no uh, no uh, (laughs) (laughs) there is no point and if we attempted to do so we'd bore the pants off our listeners yes we would we're in danger of doing that already no the point the point is that um i can only presume that the that dating technique is not available for the lascal caves and elsewhere Otherwise, then there wouldn't be this approximation of dating based on assumptions rather than an actual chemical uh, technique being involved. That is quite possible. Mm. I don't know. I'm actually, you know, I was thinking about there's some cave art, actually carvings in a cave uh, a couple of hundred miles north of Lascaux that's dated to about 36,000 years uh, mm-hmm. ago. And uh, and it made me think about that. I actually don't know what that dating is based on either because there is mm. no, uh, you know, there's, there's no calcium carbonate growth in those caves. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just the carving on the, uh, on the rock wall is... Uh, is all there is. So I don't know where that yeah. dating came from. It uh, just makes you wonder where so much of this guesswork. Um, that's not fair. I don't mean guesswork, really. Where, where, <laughs> where the estimates have, uh, you know, what what is the basis for the estimate? What are the assumptions? Yeah. What are yeah. the assumptions and presumptions? Yeah. Mm. Uh, we could go off in, a, on a, in another direction entirely with we that. Um, but I, I think that's enough said about the actual um, dating, but mm. it's worth keeping in mind, you know, and comparing it to um, who may have been responsible for the cave paintings in southern France. Mm. Obviously, a completely different people, both geographically and in time, yes. from those uh, paintings in on Sulawesi. Yeah. So, yeah, who did them? Who who what? Who do we think well, was uh, living down there? Yeah. Well, the, the, isn't it interesting that the the researchers who've been working on these uh, paintings have uh, every single one of them, and it's not to say that they're wrong, but every single one of them has said that this is taking back the uh, human history, if you like. Well, obviously it is taking back human history, but you can't presume that it's Homo sapiens who did this because Indonesia, well, that is also where the Denisovans uh, were. Yeah. You know, the, the, their range extended 
uh, uh, well into Indonesia. So are we actually looking at a level of creativity produced by a different hominin altogether? And it's mm -hmm. quite possible, quite possible. Yeah, so that's a lo another little thing to throw into the mix. Mm. We've got nothing more definite to say about that, but it's just um, beware of the assumption that it was Homo, homo sapiens. It may yeah. well have been, but doesn't have to have been. Actually, what's the latest date that we've got uh, for Denisovans anywhere, Rupert? I would say that um, unverified, possibly thirty thousand years ago, but we know that they were um, uh, as recent as say fifty-five thousand years ago. But could have been right. could have been more recent than that. Okay, so you know, it's 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 not impossible, mm. not impossible, no, at not all. at all. So, given that uh, date, around about forty-four thousand years ago, that's plenty of time for Homo sapiens to have got there, assuming. This was the branch that came out of Africa around about 60,000 years ago. Yes. But it is, it's, it's worth reinforcing that, that point that you made a minute ago, though, and it's that the dating comes from the, uh, the, the calcium carbonate buildup on top of the painting. So the painting could be significantly older. Yeah, uh, You know, it, you, it's, it's an important point to, uh, to hold on to. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it could be, you know, the usual suspects. You know, we've got we, we know that the Neanderthals were doing some uh, some pretty impressive art a lot longer ago than than that. Uh, yeah. So you've got Neanderthals, Denisovans, and humans all capable of uh, or Homo sapiens, um, all capable of producing some. Uh, pretty sophisticated art forms. It's just a take your pick, really. Um, Let's talk about the art itself. I, I know that Michael and I are proud of our critical thinking. We think <laughs> we uh, we take our critical thinking very seriously. Make mm -hmm. as few suppositions as you possibly can, and yeah. uh, and we were both very reassured to find that quite independently, uh, we agreed on certain things that we thought were assumptions here. And that's, do you want to describe the art, Mike? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, like I said, there's a, it's a panel about um, five metres across. Um, the main artwork consists of four quite large, each of the animals, larger animals, will be about 30 centimetres across, 30 yeah. to 40 centimetres across. Yeah. Uh, so you've got, Two wild pigs, three three wild buffalo over to the right, which, which seem a bit smaller than the pigs, um, and a small, an even smaller one, um, right bang in the middle, smaller buffalo figure. Oh, right over to the left, we've got um, hand stencils. Um, not quite sure what technique they used to make the stencils. Uh, nor I have not uh, have I seen any indication of what the material used for the paint was is well it looks like an ochre so it's probably yeah. burnt earth mixed with water probably yeah 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 but alongside with the one two one one two three four five six larger animals all it must be said sort of facing to the left 
we've got smaller representations, particularly round the one of the largest uh, animal on the uh, right hand side, which has a particular interpretation to it because. <laughs> In cu- there are a couple of lines coming from the front of the animal that look like it's got ropes round it or something like that. Mm. And just in front of the animal, there's a scatter of representations of smaller things. Now, these <laughs> have been interpreted as being human figures. Yes. But because they've not necessarily got human heads... They've been represented, uh, they've been interpreted as theriotropes, i.e. human figures that are wearing um, different heads, animal heads. Yeah, human-animal hybrids, if you like. Yeah, So, so it's been represented as a hunting scene, but Rupert and I, quite independently of each other, um, looking at this picture, thinking, what, where, what, what? where, <laughs> hello, yeah. who, who said there were any humans in this picture? Yeah. I can't see any. Yeah. To, I mean, I really can't come to the conclusion that that is necessarily a hunting scene. It just seems to be an animal surrounded by smaller animals. Mm. In the distance, even, you know. Smaller animals of the ground. I don't know. Yeah, but but I can't reliably say to myself, "Well, that's a hunting scene." Those lines coming out of the front of the animal could, you know, be sort of horizons or lines. I, I, I yeah, I, I'd hesitate to um, uh, to give them a, an artistic sophistication that other, you know, in any other uh, context didn't arise for. Uh, many, many, many thousands of years. I, I think the significant point is, though, that they, uh, the researchers have seen, uh, for example, something that looks like a, a running figure. If, if it is a human, it's a human running on all fours with yeah. a beaked head. Well, you know, it, it, with this kind of crude drawing, a beak, well, it could be a nozzle, uh, I mean, a snout, it could be a muzzle. Um, and uh, and I'm looking at that and thinking, well, in fact, we were both looking at it independently and thinking, but that's a that's a, a picture of a different animal. That's not yeah. a human. So it, it is complete subjective interpretation on the part of these researchers, and that's with respect. That's not to say that they're wrong. It's just no. to say that for us, it was not the first thing that we saw, and therefore, it's a bit of a a leap i think to uh, do you know to... what do you know what i mean looking at them now mm-hmm. um the 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 giveaway from me for me is if you're going to represent human beings generally and i think this is the case in other cave painting elsewhere generally speaking you represent them as being upright yes. none of these are upright no all depicted as horizontal or close to horizontal mm. very interesting yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, do, do you know, it's it's that it's that interpretation of the rope that has told the story of some kind of hunting scene. Like, yeah, you've got to interpret that that line as something else other than rope, and and it throws yeah. the whole question open, doesn't it? It does because it, it's it's the, the the same old same old same old problem that if you make a decision, you know, if you decide that that's something that you know, so they've decided this is a rope. 
Well, as soon as you mm. make that decision, then every, uh, every, every decision you make after that is based on that as a fact when mm. it might not be. Um, mm. And, you know, if you're just uh, uh, allowing a bit of latitude in your interpretation, mm. I think it's very dangerous to look at 40-odd-thousand-year-old art and put mm. yourself in the minds of those individuals. Uh, it's it's interesting. I don't see... I mean, okay, there's a few of the figures that I can quite... Uh, I can accept as, yeah, all right, maybe that's a person and that's a person. But as you say, none of them are upright. They all look like, in fact, many of them look like running felines to me. So, um, yeah, so the jury's out. Um, please, dear listener, follow, um, do a search on uh, 44,000 uh, year old cave paintings, Indonesia. Mm. That'll bring to one or quite a few sites, and some have images from the cave painting. Have a look yourself. What do you think mm. uh, those uh, little animals, little figures are? Yes. Mm. See, something else that uh, that makes me say that these aren't people is that a couple of them have got tails. To to assume that you're looking at human-animal hybrids as opposed to yeah. a badly drawn animal, I think yeah. is uh, is a bit optimistic, really. Yeah. Ooh, all right. So there we go. Being ever so slightly... Um, um, contentious? Uh, con- contentious, yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah yeah well we do like to keep it real the uh the hand stencil uh yeah art is is actually quite quite fascinating because uh you know you will have seen this kind of hand stencil uh many 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 times uh you know it's mm. where um pigment is is spat over the hand basically yeah. a bit like an airbrush um the what makes this so uh, rich is that it's multi-layered. Uh, that they've put their hands down and you know, and uh, and spat a silhouette, and then moved their hands and spat another set. It, it could almost be that there's a whole load of different people have all taken their turns in building up this this depth of uh, of freeze, if you like. It's yeah, uh, yeah. and it's rich in uh, you know in a, a lot of different pigments. You know, from almost black to whites and uh that's uh it's not something you see very often it's lovely which kind of uh, brings us to the question of why um this um it seems this was not living room decoration <laughs> no. archaeologists found no trace of the usual debris of uh human day-to-day life mm. any stone tools any uh, discarded bones and no evidence of fires. Mm. As I said before, I think that's um, probably down to the fact that this is a in a cliff twenty meters above the valley floor, and mm. it's not a cave that you simply uh, walk into and walk out of. Mm. Well, you could walk out of it, but you wouldn't be very well afterwards. <laughs> so it's not not an occupation site. So the assumption has to be that people are going there for a very particular reason. Mm. And it's powerful enough. Um, the reason reason is powerful enough for them to have incorporated these this artwork. So why artwork? What's going on in the prehistoric brain forty mm. fifty thousand years ago mm. that it needs to represent um, goings on out there in the world, depicting clearly what is very very important to, to them? Yeah. 
it's a difficult subject to uh, to unravel, isn't it? Because you know, again, you you can't put yourself inside the mind of a prehistoric man who uh, who who lives under different daily constraints, utterly different daily constraints from anything mm-hmm. that we've experienced. Yeah. And in terms of you know the the earliest manifestations of art, uh, as far as we're aware, this is it. It's interesting, isn't it? That uh, there's a wonderful book. I might have mentioned this in uh, in a different uh, broadcast. There's a wonderful book by Professor Stephen Mithen called uh, "The Prehistory of the Mind." And yes, he he basically he he's ta- he's looking at uh, the explosion, if you like, in in human consciousness when we fundamentally changed as an animal. And his premise is that. Uh, if you look at every animal, that the way the brain is compartmentalized in terms of uh, survival and communication and reproduction, what have you, that, that these are things that are compartmentalized in the brain. There are portions of the brain that deal with these different things. And uh, his stance is that when people started to speak, with anything more than grunts, that actually we were then beginning to externalise these concepts that had previously had been isolated or, if you like, imprisoned in these particular parts of the brain. And as soon as you you externalise them, you bring them into a shared space where now they are no longer in one place in the brain because they can be interpreted or drawn into any of those spaces. So that's what made our cognitive functions change so much. Uh, it's you know, and it's it, it's a perfectly valid. It makes sound common sense when you uh, when you think mm. of it in those terms. Which means that suddenly you've got people who they have a desire to externalize their lived experience in an yeah. uh, in a creative way. It's fascinating, you know. That what were they thinking? when they put those paintings on the wall you know was it just uh was was it just idle doodling you know or was it ritualistic uh you know was it a sacred thing for them um when you go to a dark place that's relatively difficult and dangerous to get to in the first place to do something there's got to be a powerful driver and doodling i don't think is a powerful enough driver really to explain in my humble, further than that, and really, you know, it's <laughs> tough to go, except that um, I have the privilege of doing um, monthly, uh, weekly narrations for an outfit called Curio.io, who curate long-form articles for um, magazines and, and newspapers online. So narrated, it's a bit like audiobooks, for, but for um, magazine articles and uh, newspaper articles. And I read one uh, recently by a chap called Stephen Asma, Professor of Philosophy at Columbia College, Chicago. What he was saying in this article was that we're sort of veering into the realm of philosophy, really, and uh, the rest of it, but it's worthwhile airing in relationship to these paintings. What he's saying is that Um, the accepted view is that language 
was a precursor to imagination. And this guy is saying, well, no, it's the other way, or it could be the other way around, that imagination was an evolutionary uh, consequence of what we were up to on the savannah, that, that, that imagination was an important evolutionary leap to make, and that it came before language. And the, the extrapolation of that is that imagination of this kind that's uh, expressed in these caves and in, in caves elsewhere is not a late adaptation. It is accessing to something that, that I've been there by this time is, is pretty innate, tapping into something that's become ingrained. And moreover, latterly, with, this, with, with the uh, uh, ascension of language as being our main means of communication, that innate um, uh, expression, that innate uh, imaginative expression has actually become uh, suppressed as we have become more intellectually based as language developed. I think I've encapsulated that thought as best I can. Mm. It's... Um... It's all these unknowable things, you know, that uh, we we can we can only share the concepts, can't we? Really, uh, mm. it would be wonderful if uh, if we could get in a time machine and just go back and find out. They're just messing with our heads. They are. Just pay- yeah, they they knew. Let's. <laughs> yeah, they are. Let's really with our heads. mess the. F- Future, you know. How often do we say, "Make, yeah, future archaeologist, <laughs> sort that one." Yeah, we do. <laughs> we do. It's a hodgepodge of everything. Uh, makes for a po- good podcast, though. <laughs> well, let's hope so. <laughs> so, have we? Hmm. Have we? Have we? Kind of. I don't think there's much else we can say about that, really. Sadly, we no. Don't... I, I think you know. Do uh, you know? Do Google these uh, things, as Michael said. You know, just Google the forty-odd uh, thousand-year-old cave art in Indonesia, Sulawesi. Yeah. Have a look at the illustrations and see if you agree with us that uh, yeah. they're calling them people. We don't see people. Yeah. Uh, see what thoughts come up and uh, see if we've been um, we're being reasonable, sort of just diving behind uh, the superficial. Is that a fair word? Probably. I think it's more. Diving behind the assumption, really, isn't it? I think they they do too much is assumed in so many different areas of archaeology that uh, you know that you you oh I just I feel like I'm being really unfair to these people who are doing fabulous work. Um, Well, not to the people that are doing the fabulous work, but I think it's worthwhile diving behind the superficiality behind the superficiality of a newspaper article, and that's what we're doing. Yes, that is true. That is true. Yes, different ways yeah. of thinking. Just, yes. just um, making sure we keep on our toes, yeah. keep our pencils sharp. Yes. Yeah. All right. Okay. There you go. So that's that podcast. Next podcast. What will that be, Rupert? Which do you think is going to come up first? We've got a couple of crackers coming up. Oh, we've got so many wonderful things coming up for you. We've got. Uh, should we talk about good interviews coming up? Yes, please. We've got uh, Merrin and Graham Dinley who are talking to us about brewing 
in the Neolithic. Yay. And it's amazing how much we learnt, well, how ignorant we found that we were. Uh, I, yeah. Do you know what malt is? You'll find out what malt is. I, I thought it was something quite different. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that, that's a fascinating one. And Evidence it, it for, really sort of lifts the lid on quite a few other aspects of life in prehistory and yeah. the archaeology of prehistory as well. Yeah. Yes. And uh, we are also talking, we're thrilled about this, we're talking to Alison Sheridan, yeah. who, uh, Scottish archaeologist, Alison has done, oh, she's she's been at the top of her game for what, 40 or over 40 years, probably 40 odd years. Uh, and we'll be talking to her about about predominantly actually transition periods yeah. uh, but uh, uh, so a lot of we'll be talking about uh, ceramics pottery um, yeah. uh, cultural shifts really it's yeah. uh, she she has just such a wealth of experience to share yeah. and yeah. Uh, and Ma she's, she's good fun as well yeah, majorly about the uh, migrations from mm. um, France, northwest France, into Britain, mm. but by unexpected routes, more northerly routes than you would expect. Yes, yeah. yes. So this, hope you enjoyed this show, folks. We will finish with a gentle reminder that the show is only made possible by direct support from our good friends, who've made the choice to support us through Patreon. Yes. Now, not only do they get the very warm feeling that comes with knowing <laughs> that they've helped this podcast and other prehistoric stuff that we make available to everyone for free, but also they get access to other content that the freeloaders out there, you know who you are, <laughs> can't see. Yes. So only, only joking. Look, everyone's <laughs> welcome to enjoy the free stuff. That's the point in having it out there in the first place. But the invitation's always there, and it needn't cost you more than the cost of a packet of crisps a month. Absolutely, packet of crisps. To get that warm feeling, <laughs> if nothing else. So with yeah. that, it is time for us to say bye-bye. Bye-bye, and uh, we will see you again very soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.